Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for coming out to church. We appreciate that you decided to spend your weekend with us. And uh, like Pastor Frank's son uh, said, if you didn't know, you could see that I'm his son, right? You guys, you guys could see that pretty clearly. I, I don't even think that you guys necessarily needed me to tell you that, but I am the uh, next generation pastor here at Faith Church. Do I have any youth here in the house right now? Anybody? All right, a couple of, that's, for Saturday night, that's not that bad. There's, there's, there's some youth out there, but I have the awesome opportunity of ministering to them every Wednesday. And man, God's just been on the move in, in our youth. Amen. Amen. Uh, but if you guys would just remain standing with me as we make our Bible declaration, if you'd repeat this after me and say, this is my Bible, is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I'll read it every day and become all God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I'll hide his word in my heart so I can meet all God's destined me to be. Amen. Amen. Uh, the text that I feel uh, led to minister on today is found in uh, Mark chapter six. If you guys would tur- turn there with me as you guys are turning there, I like to set up. Oh, there goes my phone. Different pulpit than impact. Uh, but I like to set up the text. I feel like the Bible's a story. How many of you guys know that? The Bible really is a story. And I like stories and I like that stuff. So I like to set up the text a little bit. And so in this passage, Jesus is going to his hometown, Nazareth. So this is the place he grew up and all the people, they know him. They're very familiar with Jesus. And word had gotten around at this point that Jesus was doing all these miracles. He was doing all these miracles. He was healing people, casting out demons, all that stuff. And so people knew about Jesus. And besides the the miracles and the stories spreading, Jesus' family lived there. And now, hear me out on this. I'm Italian. If my mother heard about some stuff that I was doing, she'd make sure that everybody knew about it. And Mary, Mary was living in Nazareth and she was probably telling everybody, Jesus, my son, he turned water into wine. Watch it, see what Jesus can do. So word had gotten around to the people of Nazareth that Jesus uh, had done all these miracles. But again, they were very familiar with him. They knew who he was. So with that being said, let's read our text, Mark chapter 6. I'm reading from the NLT, just in case you're curious. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters. They live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, or some translations say lack of faith, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. What I want to talk to you about this evening is forsaking familiarity, 
forsaking familiarity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word that you've placed on my heart. I pray it would minister to hearts. I pray that hearts would be open to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as you guys already know, you can go ahead and be seated. Don't worry. No one's going to yell at you or anything like that. But for those of you guys that didn't hear it already, because this would be your third time hearing it, I grew up a pastor's kid. And growing up a pastor's kid, you know about God, all right? You're surrounded by the presence of God a lot. I would come to church on Saturday night. I'd come to both services on Sunday. If we had a special service like Jesse DePlantis, don't worry. I was sitting right there in the front row. If there was impact on Wednesday night when I got to that age, I was there. If there was a special small group, if there was a worship night, anything, I was in church. So it's safe to say I was surrounded by the presence of God. And I was extremely familiar with God. But you see, I never realized the real connection that God wanted to have with me. I didn't realize the real connection that God wanted with me. I often viewed Christianity as rules, regulations, all these things you have to do. But then I turned 13 years old. And when I turned 13 years old, I began on my journey of forsaking familiarity. I was 13 and I played baseball, as many of you already know, and uh, my arm had a tear in it, a labrum tear, and I got an MRI done and the doctor looked at it and the doctor said, this is the size of the Grand Canyon. I've never seen a labrum tear this big. And he said, you have one of two options. He said, you can go and wait six weeks and then see if it heals or you can get surgery and you'll be out for nine months. And so obviously, it was a tough decision in that moment in my mind. And, you know, my season was on the line. But he said, don't waste your time with the six weeks. Just get your surgery. He's like, this thing's not going to heal on its own. I've never seen anything like it. But my dad said, well, wait the six weeks. And so we went home, and my dad had written down a bunch of healing scriptures. And he handed me the paper, and he said, Joe, you have a choice right now. He says, you can go ahead and believe God and declare those scriptures over your life daily Or we can just go back in six weeks and you can get the surgery. And so every single night, I would declare those scriptures over my life. I would believe God. I really began to see the connection that God wanted to have with me. And six weeks later, I went back to that doctor and that unrepairable labrum was miraculously healed by the power of God. Give God some praise for that. Amen. But after that encounter with God, I began on my journey of forsaking familiarity. It was no longer this distant God. It was no longer this God that I know of, but I don't really know. It was a God that I began to experience for myself. But in the church today, it can kind of be like being a pastor's kid. You don't have to actually be a pastor's kid to have that same type of experience. You can come to church every week and you can have the same type of idea. We are surrounded by the presence of God. Right now we're here in service and we're surrounded by God's presence. We're worshiping and we're praising him. We go to discipleship and we learn about God. We go to special services like the one we have on Monday and we encounter God. We do all these different things. We do the church things. But if we're not intentional... With our time with God, we'll simply be familiar with him and not really know him. 
What do I mean by familiarity with God? Familiarity is like when you like say you know someone, but like you don't really know them. You know what I mean? Like you see someone, you're like, oh, do you know so-and-so? And it's like, yeah, I know of them. But I don't really know them personally. That's what I mean by familiarity, that same idea. And in a practical sense, familiarity with God is when we come to church and we don't actually expect to encounter God. Familiarity with God is when we rely on one service to maintain our relationship with Jesus for the entire week. Familiarity with God is when we say that we're a Christian, but when we're outside the church, we don't act like a Christian. We don't spend any time with God. Familiarity with God is when we volunteer and we think that that's what makes us close to God. We volunteer and we think, well, I did God's service this week. Don't need to go to service anymore. That's what familiarity with God looks like in a practical sense. All the things that I just named were things I had to struggle with, had to wrestle through in my journey of forsaking familiarity. I don't say any of those things to condemn anyone, but can we all kind of identify with the familiar feeling, the familiarity with God. And if you haven't figured it out already, the main point I want to talk to you about this evening is we must forsake familiarity. We must forsake familiarity. Now, I'm saying that we need to do something. We need to do, you know, forsake familiarity. But that leads to a question. How do we forsake our familiarity? And that's exactly what I want to show you from the passage that I read earlier. So how do we forsake familiarity? My first point, we need to keep our awe for Jesus. We need to keep our awe for Jesus. Look at what verse 2 of that text says. It says, the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? The people of Nazareth, they had an awe for Jesus. The people, they were amazed by Jesus' teachings. But by the end of the passage, that awe, that passion that they had for Jesus, it was gone. It seemingly had disappeared. Why did this happen? Because of the people of Nazareth's familiarity. Their familiarity. Some people in the crowd, maybe they saw Jesus as a little boy running around with them. And they remembered that little boy. And now they're looking at him now. Maybe some people in the crowd, they heard stories about Jesus, this miracle working Jesus. And they were very familiar with who he was. But now they were actually encountering him. They had this awe and this passion for Jesus. But this idea of him being the Messiah? No way. He can't be. He's just that little boy I saw running around in Nazareth. He's just that person that stories were told about. They lost their awe for Jesus because familiarity set in. We must forsake familiarity. How many of you guys know that I'm engaged? All right, a good amount of you guys. Cool. In case you didn't know, I'm engaged to the girl in the front row over there with the blonde hair. She's got a name. It's Brianna. But uh, but I'm engaged. And so one thing that I've learned, I've had, we've been together for four years. So we've been together for a long time. And one thing I've learned in my relationship is that I can't be in awe of who Brianna is until I get to know her more. If I don't know who she is, then I can't really know just how amazing that she is. You guys see what I'm saying? So, you know, when I spend time with Brianna... I get to realize just how amazing that she is. I get to have a maintain awe for who she is. 
But you see, the same way that I keep my all for Brianna by spending time with her, getting to know her more, is the same way that we should keep our all for Jesus. How can we keep our all for Jesus if we don't actually spend time with him? If we don't actually know who he is? How can we say that we know he's amazing? How can we keep that mindset when we don't actually spend time with him and know him personally? See, the people of Nazareth, they didn't bother to get to know Jesus. They didn't bother to get to know him. They, they simply listened to some things that, they, that, they, that Jesus said. He said some cool stuff to them, but they didn't get to bother to know him deeper. They didn't get to intimate with Jesus, get to know him, ask him questions. See, we overcomplicate this relationship with Jesus in the church today. We overcomplicate it so much. We overcomplicate knowing God, talking to Jesus, all these things. You don't have to say all these special words. You don't have to know everything about the Bible. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to volunteer in every single area of the church. You don't have to do this in this ministry. You don't have to say lofty words. All you have to do is spend time with Jesus. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. He wants to talk to you. He created you. He loves you. Just talk to Jesus. Get in his word. Commit to reading a chapter of the word of God in the day. We need to spend that daily time with Jesus. See, if all I did is spend time with Brianna for like one hour on a Sunday or one hour on a weekend, I wouldn't really know her that well. I wouldn't really be in awe of who she is. She'd be that person that I see once a week. But somehow in the church, we don't correlate to that, uh, that to our minds and see the fact that if we just come into church and we expect for this to be our time where we encounter God and get to know God, then we're missing out on so much. We're missing out on so much. If you're in here right now and you're thinking to yourself, man, this is, this is kind of deep. This is hitting me hard. I don't want you to feel condemned. I don't want you to feel discouraged. Rather, I want to encourage you that you could start today. Who cares about what you did last week, a couple of weeks ago, last night? Today, you can have a relationship with Jesus. Today, you can start spending time with him. Today, you can open your Bible and read it. We must forsake familiarity. My second point this evening We need to recognize who Jesus is. We need to recognize who Jesus is. How do we forsake our familiarity? We need to recognize who Jesus is. Look at what verse 3 of that passage says. After they're in such awe of Jesus' miracles and, wow, he's got all this power. Then they scoffed. Then they made fun of him. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters. They live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. At first, I kind of read these statements when I was first studying this passage, and I was like, what's the big deal? I was like, Said he's the son of Mary, like said that he got brothers and sisters. Like, I'm not really seeing the offense here. You know, it says they were deeply offended. So I looked into it further. And what I came to the understanding of is that in the Hebrew culture, it was highly offensive to ever refer to a son as the son of the mother. 
You would never do that unless you were looking to blatantly disrespect somebody. You would refer to them as the son of the father. They would say, Jesus, son of Joseph. Now, many scholars believe that Joseph was dead at this point in his life. But even so, you would still refer to Jesus as the son of Joseph, not the son of Mary. Also, that statement was kind of a jab at the virgin birth. See, Mary was in Nazareth, was in that area when, uh, when Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you know, the people in the area, they're like, yeah, you know, conceived by the Holy Spirit. You know, I think that Joseph and Mary maybe got together before they were married. And, or maybe Mary, you know, she got together with another guy before she was married. That, that type of deal. And the people in Nazareth, they're kind of going back to that. They're like, you know, we don't know if it's Joseph's son, but Mary's son. So it's actually an insult at Jesus, a direct insult at him. So the people of Nazareth, they have this all for Jesus at the beginning. Wow, he's got the power to do all these miracles. But then they start mocking him. They start mocking who he is, making fun of him. So the people of Nazareth, they have this awe, and now they're mocking him. And I had to ask myself, why is that? It's because they only partially recognized who Jesus was. They recognized him in his humanity, That's true. He has brothers and sisters here. He's the son of Mary. Those things are true. They recognized him in his humanity, but they failed to see his divinity. They recognized his humanity, but they failed to see his divinity. Why did they fail to recognize Jesus? Because of their familiarity. Remember, Jesus was just that kid that grew up among them. He was just that kid running around. No way that he could be the Messiah. No way that he could be the son of God. The people of Nazareth surely thought their familiarity led to a pride in their hearts and blinded them from fully recognizing Jesus. They had a mistaken identification in him and later on they refused to believe in him. We must forsake familiarity. Any pastors in the house besides my dad? Just my dad? All right. It would kind of be like this, what the people of Nazareth did, all right? I really wanted to preach on the floor because I kind of like to walk close to people and stuff like that, but I'm going to do the best I can from the stage, all right? But say that I see my dad, Pastor Frank, here at the store, right? And I'm one of the congregants, and I walk up and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's my favorite pastor from Faith Church. Oh, he's such a good preacher. How are you doing, Pastor Brandon? There's a lot of reasons why he's not Pastor Brand, all right? But he's he, he's not Pastor Brand. I can promise you, he's Pastor Frank. But you see, I recognized part of who my dad was. He is a preacher. He is a pastor at Faith Church. So I got that part right. I I recognized him partially. I recognized part of who he was, but I didn't recognize him fully which is Pastor Frank Santora, not Pastor Brandon Dumas. But see, the people of Nazareth, they did the same thing with Jesus. They identified him in his humanity, which was true. They were correct. I wasn't incorrect to say that he's a pastor at Faith Church, that he's a that I love his preaching, he's a preacher, that type of stuff. I wasn't incorrect about that. But see, I failed to realize the deeper person, which is exactly what the people of Nazareth did. They failed to realize the deeper person who Jesus was, which is the Savior, the Messiah, deity, the Son of God. You see, like the people of Nazareth, sometimes we have this false identity of Jesus. We say that we love Jesus, but we just have a false 
perception of who he truly is. We identify Jesus as the giver of gifts or that warm, gushy feeling that we get on the inside when we come to church. But in reality, that's not all who Jesus is. If we just recognize him as that, we're not recognizing who he truly is. We're recognizing him for the stuff that he brings. See, I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't give good gifts because he does. I'm not saying that sometimes you're not in a worship service and you do get that gushy feeling on the inside. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is that ultimately Jesus needs to be recognized as the savior of our sins. He needs to be recognized as the authority in our lives. There is no what's your truth. It's what is Jesus's truth. And he is the authority in our lives. We think we recognize Jesus. We do as church people. You know, that's the easy part. Yeah, amen. You know, Jesus is the authority. But you see, if we recognize Jesus as our authority, we would act like it. We would act like it. Why? The people of Nazareth acted like it. They saw him as a human. They treated him as such by mocking him. See, if Jesus was our authority, we'd act like it. If your boss told you to do something... You would do it or you'd be fired one way or the other, right? So if your boss told you to do something and you'd do it, how much more should we listen to our greater authority, who's Jesus Christ, the God of this universe? If we truly recognize Jesus, then we should act like it. So the true test, do we act like it? Do we act like it? If we recognize Jesus, we'll truly follow his commands that he instructs us to do. But you see, there's something else that the people of Nazareth failed to recognize Jesus in. The people of Nazareth, they failed to recognize Jesus's peculiarity. Their familiarity led them to not see Jesus's peculiarity. What do I mean by this? Sometimes we can be so familiar with Jesus that we don't realize just how special he truly is. See, the people of Nazareth, they were so familiar with Jesus that they didn't realize how special the person standing before them was. They didn't realize how different this person was than anyone that they've ever met. Just like the people of Nazareth, sometimes we also have this recognition issue. We fail to remember how special Jesus is. We come to the house of God like we are here tonight. We expect to hear a nice message. We expect to hear some good worship, and we do. We hear great messages every week. We hear great worship every week, and then we pat ourselves on the back and leave. Why don't we come to the house of God and look to encounter someone that's different than anything we've ever encountered before? Come to the house of God looking to leave change, not come in the same way that we are. We need to recognize Jesus' peculiarity, recognize how different he is. We need to continually recognize Jesus, we must forsake our familiarity. My last point, how do we forsake our familiarity? We need to have faith in Jesus. We need to have faith in Jesus. Look at what verse 5 says. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. The text says that Jesus could do no miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. Other translations would say because of their lack of faith. It's the same concept. 
And this lack of faith resulted directly from their familiarity. Why? Because their familiarity with who Jesus was led them to forget Jesus' power. It led them to completely forget Jesus' power. Again, they couldn't get this idea that he could be the Savior, that he could be a miracle worker. How is he any different than us? They may have thought, he's just that little boy. He's just that kid. How could a kid be greater than me? And they refused to put their faith in Jesus. They decided that, ah, this Jesus guy, he seemed cool. He seemed cool at first. But now the Messiah thing, something greater, nah, I don't think I believe in this Jesus guy anymore. I don't think I can put any more faith in him. Their familiarity caused them to be stunned, caused them to be blinded, and their faith to be completely stunned. You see, because Jesus responds to faith. Jesus responds to faith. I want to kind of illustrate this concept real quick. I just remote my pocket the entire time, but... Um, this right here, it's a Roku remote. You guys are all familiar, right? Every, who's got a Roku in here? Who's a Roku person? Okay, we got some Roku. How about like Apple? Apple TV or whatever? You guys got some? Oh man, less people in here. All right, all right. Roku, Roku, we'll stick to that. But we got a Roku remote right here. And this Roku remote responds to batteries. If I put batteries in a Roku remote, I can change the channel. I could do all the different stuff. I can go to the homepage. I could do all this type of cool stuff. I can launch Disney Plus, you know, check out some Marvel stuff. I could do anything as long as there's batteries that work in this remote. Likewise, though, if there's no batteries in this remote, it doesn't do anything. There's no action, that actions that are able to be taken. In the same way that this remote responds to batteries, God has chosen to respond to faith. I want you to hear me out here. This doesn't mean that God is powerless without us. That's not at all what I'm saying. Rather, what I'm saying is God has chosen with all the great power that he has to say, you know what? I want to respond to their faith. That's how I want things to be. That's how I've set things to be. So if we want to watch as we forsake familiarity and put faith in Jesus, we want to watch as Jesus goes and does miracles in our life, there is a faith that is required in our lives. There's a faith that God has chosen to respond to. You see, if we're not careful, we can fall into the same place that the people of Nazareth fell into. We can be familiar just like the people of Nazareth and refuse to put our faith in Jesus. The people of Nazareth, they knew about Jesus practically their whole life. Maybe some people in here, you've come to church practically your whole life. You've come to church for many, many, many years. The people of Nazareth, they heard about Jesus for their entire life. They heard his teachings, but yet when the rubber hit the road, they didn't put their faith in Jesus They didn't put their faith in Jesus. Despite all the miracles, despite all the things that Jesus did, despite even it says in the text that he still placed his hands on a few sick people and healed them, but they still didn't believe him. Their hearts were hard. Their familiarity was in the way from receiving what Jesus had for them. We think we know Jesus. We really think we do. We think we know him with all our hearts. But in reality, maybe we're just familiar with him. If our words don't align with our actions, then can we really say that it's true? 
See, if our words don't align with our actions, we're simply of the same thinking as the people of Nazareth. The people of Nazareth at first, remember, they had the offer Jesus. They thought he was amazing. But then again, by the end, they didn't put their faith in him. A true test of if we're just familiar with God or if we know God is what we do when difficulties arise. It's easy to say, man, I got faith in Jesus to do stuff. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my provider. But what happens when a difficulty arises in your life? What happens when there's a need? Do you put your faith in money? Do you put your faith in medication? Do you put your faith in a person? Do you put your faith in a doctor? Or do you put your faith in Jesus? Do we put our faith in Jesus? And I'm preaching to myself here too. This is something that I constantly have to remind myself of. Am I putting my faith in Jesus above all things? Because if we actually know Jesus, if we know who he is, we will choose to do what the people of Nazareth did not choose to do. And we'll put our faith in him. We want miracles to break out. We want things to happen in our lives. We want all of these different stuff. We want Jesus to show up. We look and we say, Jesus, if you would just do this, I'll believe in you. But what Jesus is showing us through the people of Nazareth is he responds to faith. He asks us, step out in faith and he'll meet you. Step out in faith and he will meet you. He's not going to leave you hanging. If you would just believe and step out in faith, if we as a church would just believe and step out in faith, we must forsake familiarity. So what will you choose to do today? Will you choose to forsake your familiarity? Or will we choose to be like the people of Nazareth? Just be familiar with him, not really know who he is. I challenge you today, forsake your familiarity. Forsake your familiarity by spending time in God's word. Forsake your familiarity by keeping that awe for who he is. Forsake your familiarity by putting into proper perspective of who Jesus really is. Forsake familiarity by believing God for the impossible again. Maybe you've been believing God for a long time for something and it hasn't manifested yet. Keep your faith in Jesus and watch as he'll show up in your life. God is getting ready to do some things in this room tonight but do we have the faith to believe it I want you guys to know that we have a great church here we do my daddy preaches great messages we have other pastors who get up here and preach great messages we got a great worship team very talented but are you satisfied with the status quo are you satisfied with coming into church on the weekend and leaving and not being changed? Are you satisfied with coming into church and not leaving any different than you did before? Are we satisfied with the way that the church looks right now on the weekend? Are we satisfied with the fact that we just come to church, we pat ourselves on the back and leave? Or do we want an encounter with Jesus? Do we want to forsake the familiar mindset that we've had right now? We must forsake familiarity. If you really want to touch from Jesus, if you really want to know who he is, if you're saying, I'm not sure if this Jesus thing is real, we need to forsake our familiarity. Forsake it. Step out in faith. Believe that Jesus is who he said he is. That the Bible is true. 
And if you would step out and do that, I'm not saying that thing, that you'll never have anything bad happen in your life again, but I promise you will be better with God than it will be without. I'll promise you that right now here in this place. What would faith church look like? What would faith church look like if we all would choose to forsake our familiarity as a congregation? Each and every one of us, if we said, let's all just decide to forsake familiarity, go deeper, expect to encounter God, pray to him throughout the week, believe God for things to happen. I'll tell you what would happen. The spirit of God would break out so powerfully on this church. People would be coming in and getting saved, getting healed more and more and more every single week. We already win souls at this church. We already watch as people have been healed, but we can watch as it will increase in number if we would begin to forsake familiarity, get to know God more. I want more of God. I'm not satisfied where I am right now. I just want to keep getting to know him more. I'll tell you what, I've seen Jesus do miracles. I've seen Jesus touch people. I've seen Jesus uh, have, I've seen Jesus' power come on someone in a wheelchair and then get up and walk. I've seen Jesus touch somebody who's blind. I've seen deaf ears be open. It still happens today. But do we have the faith to actually see it happen? Do we want to forsake our familiarity? The choice is ours. Jesus didn't force the people of Nazareth to believe in him. No, what did he do? He didn't do any miracles there except place his hands on a few sick people when he was on his way. His hometown, his own people. Jesus does not force anything on you. Forget the lies of religion. The the ideologies that when you give your life to Jesus Christ that you're going to have to do this and that and all these other things. Nah. If you give your life to Jesus and it's genuine and you really believe in him, it's easy. It's easy to just want to do what he wants you to do. It's easy to just want to honor him with our actions. I'm not saying we're not tempted, but what I am saying is if we truly forsake familiarity and go after him deeper, man, life is just so much better. You know what I'm talking about if you've experienced it. With every head bowed and eye closed in this place, I want to give an altar call for two specific things. First, If you're here in this room right now, with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here in this room right now, and you're saying to yourself, you know what? I want to forsake my familiarity with Jesus and go deeper with him. I've I've been on the surface level for too long, Joey. I've only known him. I haven't known him in a deeper way. Yeah, maybe I gave my life to Christ. I said that prayer, but I just haven't gone deeper. I want to go deeper in my relationship with Jesus. If that's you and you're here in this place, would you just raise your hand up right now with no one looking around? I see that hand. I see hands all around this room. Anybody else, you want to forsake your familiarity, go deeper with Jesus. I see those hands. Amen. Second group of people, I'll get to the first group in a second. You want to believe God for something. I'm not talking about just saying it. I'm not talking about just saying God's my provider and it's okay and God's my healer and it's okay or, you know, I'm protected by God but not actually acting on it. If you actually want to say, you know what, I want to have faith in Jesus to do the impossible. Uh, My faith has been stunned for too long. I want to forsake familiarity and believe Jesus. If that's you and you're in here in this place, would you just lift up your hand? Raise your hand. I see those hands all around the room. You're believing God for something. Here's where the hard part comes in. 
I had you guys all raise your hands and that's great. But we're talking about faith and faith requires action. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you, if you just raise your hand, if you'd quickly come down to the altar right now. Just come down to the altar right here. No worries. Just come on down. Just keep coming down. Give it up for them as they come forward.